0: Hey Devils fans, On the Line is a weekly auction series featuring unique Prudential Center and Devils items. Proceeds from the On the Line weekly auction series will benefit the Devils Care Foundation to help support its goal of providing life-changing opportunities for young people who live and play in New Jersey's most challenged neighborhoods, with a focus on community outreach, food assistance, and educational development. To bid on this week's item, visit NewJerseyDevils.com slash on the line.
1: Hello, Devils fans, and welcome once again to the Speak of the Devils podcast, where Chris Westcott is filling in for Matt Laughlin, who is golfing again. Amanda, Amanda Stein joins us now as our co-host. Welcome into another podcast. Well, we miss Maddie, but We we are excited about... This week's guest, right,
2: Miranda? Well, he de- first of all, let's say Maddie deserves the vacation that he's getting. <laughs> let's just let's just start with that. But yes, very well, we excited. Have to chirp, we have to chirp him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I have no problem doing that. You can ask him. <laughs> um, but yes, very excited about our guest today, which is Craig Button um, up here in Canada, where I am. He works for TSN as their director of scouting. He is probably one of the most, if not the most, knowledgeable guys when it comes to upcoming prospects who haven't been drafted yet and keeping his eye on all the prospects who have already been drafted. So we'll get a a lot of really good information from Craig today.
1: I think it's, it's, it's kind of cool to get the opportunity to talk to a guy that's not only been a general manager in the National Hockey League, but now sees it from the media aspect. And this is a guy who knows a lot about prospects that are coming up in the draft. But also, Amanda, you talked to him about some of the prospects that were already in the devil's pool. What was that conversation like?
2: Well, definitely, you know, you have to consider the fact that he is very aware of all those prospects and sort of delving into, you know, who is Nolan Foote? Who is Ty Smith? And how can they help with this organization? We went through a lot of the prospects for the New Jersey Devils who are really high on the radar of the fans. So I urge everyone to also check that out and hear a little bit of what he has to say in depth about them.
1: Yeah, you can read that article that Amanda wrote. It's very good. It's on NewJerseyDevils.com slash draft right now. So don't Don't be afraid to uh, check that out, but we're going to talk to him about those prospects, and let's go right to our guest, Craig Button, TSN's Director of Scouting. Well, from run, Rochester boy, to another, welcome to the Speak (laughs) of the Devils podcast, Craig Button. How are you doing today, Craig?
0: I'm good, Chris. How are you? (laughs) Uh,
1: Excellent, excellent. We're so happy. Amanda and I were talking before you came on about how it's going to be nice to talk with you about the draft. I remember last year in Buffalo at the 2019 NHL Scouting Combine, we had a nice conversation, and uh, it's always good to talk with you, Craig.
0: Yeah. And it's also always good to talk with you and Amanda as well. I mean, I I think that uh, your passion shines through and for Devils fans, you know, in in, in a process where they're building their team and and this isn't the beginning of a process. They're in the midst of a process and they got a lot of good prospects. They got a lot of young players that are on their team that are only going to get better. So, you know, for me to be able to come on and talk about some of those players and try to uh you know, give the fans a little bit uh, of a different perspective, or more of a perspective. Happy, happy, happy to be part of it.
2: And I guess you know, Nico was the catalyst to that, to that, that real change, that real
0: shift in the dynamic. Oh, for sure he was. And I mean, I mean, they won the lottery uh, when they were able to yeah. step up and draft Nico Hishir. And I mean, N- Nico is is such a good player. Uh, he he reminds me a lot of Henrik Zetterberg. And, you know, Henrik Zetterberg is a terrific player. I mean, he's, he, the way he plays, if you think, when I think about Nico, I just think about a player, it doesn't matter what situation he's in, during the game or on the ice, he understands how, how, how to play it to the very best of his abilities. And, and that's at a high level. He plays with the puck, he plays without the puck. He can skate, he can play in tight checking games. He's, he's got a mind, he's a quick processor. And really, understands how to compete when it matters. I mean, you know, we, we look at players and I, at times I use the term still waters run deep. It, it's not overt a lot of times competitiveness and that's how Henrik it was. I yeah. think Nico's exactly the same way. Don't ever underestimate Nico Hischer because the next time I see Nico Hischer get pushed out of a game uh, because he's not willing to dig in. It'll be the first time. Because and, and I'm talking going back to when he was 15 years of age, playing way above his age group. Might not have been strong enough. Never, ever did he lack the desire, determination to stay in a game and stay in the battle. I know we want to get
2: to the draft, but that just reminded me of one thing when it comes to Nico is do you think, because from my conversations with other people in the league, do you think he's an underrated player that maybe doesn't get the credit that he deserves because he's so quiet the way he goes about his business?
0: Well, yeah, yes, I do. I fully agree with that. And, you know, you know, we live in a highlight uh, video yeah. type society, right? So, you know, the flash and the dash and, and, and that's great in everything. And I get it, but like Nico has a, has a real subtle Uh, quality to his game and you know I always say we can measure physical effort but how do you measure mental effort how how, how does anybody measure mental effort like you got to get to the right places but when you watch the game and you're watching Nico you're always like oh he's there again oh there he is there he is right and and to that so when I talk about I I can guarantee you this coaches don't underrate him like, yeah. and it doesn't take, it doesn't take very long for coaches to really value him as well, to understand, wow, what do we have here? And I, I think that Nico, I, I think as time goes on, uh, Nico's notoriety as that complete two-way player is is only going to rise. And, you know, I, I mean, when you have a player like him and Jack to build around, you, you're in good shape.
1: <laughs> well, Craig, you per- perfect segue into a question I wanted to ask you is, They're looking for him to take that next step. And coaching, and you mentioned coaches, is a big part of that. Now, they just chose uh, Lindy Ruff to be their new head coach. And he does have a history with getting younger players to have career years. What did you think about that hire? What do you know and like about Lindy Ruff?
0: Well, I mean, uh, there's lots to like about Lindy Ruff. And and, and Lindy, you know, is a wonderful guy and a great sense of humor. And he's an intense competitor. And his record speaks for itself. You know, he had those great years in Buffalo, went to Dallas. And Dallas was like in in, in a scenario where they were kind of in flux, kind of moving in one way, trying to integrate some younger players. But he did do a terrific job. Ask Tyler Sagan what he thinks of Lindy Ruff. I I think you'll get some pretty positive uh, reviews from uh, Tyler Sagas. So, you know, and, and I really, like, I'm a huge Tommy Fitzgerald fan just a huge uh, and uh, like I declare it okay if I if I had if I had no topic
1: this is the right uh, podcast uh, for that okay
0: but, but, but I'm really like I, I said it in so many instances like not only do I think he's deserving to to be a general manager in the league I, I think he's been deserving for a number of years when you look at everything that he's done you and 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 trying to understand all the critical elements of being a manager. So I think the New Jersey Devils have a terrific person leading their operations in that respect. So I trust Tommy, Tommy played for Lindy. And so, you know, going through the process, what I really think was important for Tommy was to interview a number of coaches. And because you don't get that opportunity, first of all, you don't want to have that opportunity to go through coach interviews because that means you're looking to replace somebody or put somebody into that position. So I think for Tommy to be able to go through that process and really get comfortable, it's one thing to say he played for him, but he's got to get comfortable with Lindy Ruff today and what Lindy Ruff has done. And so if we just kind of extrapolate Lindy from Dallas as a head coach And then going to the New York Rangers, you know, they were making that transition, you know, from a team that was kind of call it a reboot, call it a rebuild, whatever we want to use with respect to, he was a big part of that uh, in, in, uh, in New York with the Rangers. So I think that that became something that really highlighted him as a, as a significant candidate for Tom Fitzgerald. So it's great to talk about Tommy playing for him. It's great to talk about what he did in Buffalo or Dallas. But I think we have to look really recently, too, and I I think that when you look at Lindy, that he comes in and, you know, with all that experience, it's not just past, there's present experience that will help the Devils and the players as well.
1: I like all the stuff that you're saying about Tom Fitzgerald. And one of the things I think all, almost all Devils fans agree with is the job that he did at the trade deadline was excellent. And he brought in some pretty significant pieces for the future of this organization. I know that you've already spoken with Amanda about a couple of these prospects, but I would love to get your thoughts on Kevin Ball and Nolan Foote as two significant pieces of the future of this organization.
0: OK, so let me just tell you this, OK? Kevin Ball is, is, is a big defenseman, and I am big on Kevin Ball. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's amazing. Like, you know, we talk about how the game is played, right? And like, we know that with the, the, no obstruction and interference, skating is, is really important. Well, just because you're six foot five doesn't mean you can't do those things. And just because you're five foot 10 doesn't mean you can do those things. You still have to have the requisite skills and the rec, requisite qualities. Kevin has those. So let, let, let me just start. Kevin, number one, has outstanding hockey sense. He understands the game. Number two, on an extension of that, he understands what his game is. He doesn't try to be something he isn't. Okay, now let's talk about what he is. He's a territorial, take no prisoners. You want to get an advantage on me? I'm going to make you earn every single inch of space that you're going to try to get. And by the way, I'm going to make it incredibly hard on you. So, you know, when you consider playing defensive hockey, jumping up in the, in the neutral zone to negate a rush, to deny zone entries, to push people off the puck in the defensive zone, and then to make those plays. He's not going to be a big point producer, but the puck, the play is going to get stopped defensively because of his presence, and then he's going to be able, because he's so smart, he understands his game, the puck's going to move. The puck's going to move up to those talented forwards. So that means less time spent in your defensive zone with those uh, for your offensive players. And Kevin, wh- when he plays the game, he puts everybody on notice on the other side. I'm here and I'm here to make sure that I do everything I can to help my team be successful. And he is like, I think that winning teams have players like Kevin Ball. And I am not going to, to, to jump up and say, I mean, he's a Daniel Chara, a first ballot hall of fame. So let's just call Kevin Ball with the potential to be a lowercase Type Zidane O'Chara player. There's only one Zidane O'Chara, but that type of player, ask anybody that's ever played against Zidane O'Chara what kind of fun that is. No, there's no amusement park days playing against (laughs) Kevin Ball. I love him. I absolutely love him. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) And and Amanda and and Chris, let me just say this too. I thought that was a brilliant trade that they got a first round pick there. And you know, and, and whether it's this year, I mean, it's protected if it's top three. Well, it's only going to be the first pick based on yeah. uh, the placeholder team, or next year. So, getting Kevin Ball, who, who rounds out a defense too, like we like they have Ty Smith. So, complementary players that fit into different areas of your team. Tory Krug is really good, and and for the Boston Bruins. But Zadino Chara helps him be good. And Charlie McAvoy and Matt Grislich, you start to look at teams with, with different types of players. It's not just one type of player that helps you be successful.
1: I should note before we continue that uh, the ball trade did happen before Tom Fitzgerald took yes, it over as interim general manager. However, he does play a large role yeah. in scouting these players on the future talent on this team. Nolan Foote, however, I did want to ask you about him as well, because that's a guy that Tom Fitzgerald did make the trade for
0: yeah, along with the first round pick uh, from from the Tampa Bay <laughs> Lightning. And, and again, you, you know, one of the things that, we're, that that becomes impressive from my perspective, looking from the outside in at, at Tommy, is that Blake Coleman had a year left on his contract, and if if he waits until the spring of 2021, I don't, you, you have no chance to get the return that he got. But the Tampa Bay Lightning their salary cap situation, looking for that type of player. Tommy Fitzgerald was really shrewd in being able to understand, okay, here's where our team, he loves Blake Coleman. There's no, but he understood this is a significant opportunity for, for me to improve my team. That's what good managers do. And Tommy did that. So, you know, you get Nolan Foot. So it's not just getting a good prospect. The type of prospect that Nolan is, and he reminds me a lot in terms of the way he plays to New Jersey native James Van Riemsdijk. And, you know, good around the net. Big, shoots the puck well. You know, and if you play him with really good centers, he's going to not only get open, he's going to finish those plays. Oh, by the way, I'm not going to tell you something you don't know. Uh, Nico Hischer and Jack Hughes qualify as really good centers. And oh, do they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, Amanda. Just a little bit. Okay, like they barely meet the qualification, right? But but they need good good scores around them. They need good wingers to get open that can make plays. That you know they're going to make their magic. But if they don't have anybody that can help them finish that magic, it becomes, you know, not, not that it's uh, incomplete, but you don't get the full effect of what Jack and Nico can do when they have finishers around them. And not only that, you know, Nico and Jack aren't the biggest, bulkiest players. Nolan's big. He's assertive. He, he gets in and around the net and he, he, he becomes very difficult to be able to stop. And I think there's been tremendous progression in Nolan's game over the last year. In his draft year, like all players, I I see it again and again and again. They all want to show you that they can do everything. Well, there's no players that can do everything. And I think that Nolan really settled in to being exactly who he is. And I think that's going to be an outstanding uh, uh, complimentary winger for Jack or Nico in the lineup.
2: From everything you've said and from having discussions with Tom Fitzgerald, I think the really unique situation here is that all these young, talented players are literally all around the same age range, that they're going to literally come up the system together at the same time to really make this a young, talented team where you can add, you know, that veteran presence, whether it's, you know, Travis Zajac or Kyle Palmieri, but the core is going to be over the next few years, extremely young and learning.
0: And, and that's okay, Amanda, you know, because again, like Jack's going to turn nine or he's turned 19 and, and you got Nico, who's 20 and Ty Smith, who's 20 now, you know, wh- when you're building your team and, you know, depending on where you're at in, in, in the process, you know, players, when you start and say eight, you draft an 18 year old, well, it's a lot different to have one 18 year old in the lineup. Then you add another 18 year old in the lineup. Now you you, you're building and you're building and quality players at different positions, right? So it it, 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 in in, I don't want to say a snap of a finger, but in two trades, they add two other 20-year-old players, Kevin Ball and Nolan Foote, to the lineup to go along with Jack Hughes, to go along with Nico Hischer. So it's not just that you're you've got a young team, you got a young group of players that are very talented, but they're ready to come in and play. And and then those contributions are going to continue to grow. So you're not, you're not, it's not just about look who we have. It's about watch what we have because they're only going to get better and I think it gives not only uh, the fans but also the team uh, the managers the management and the coaches and, oh, let's get excited here because you know it's great to hear about players but when you can yeah. go out and watch them and see what they do it, it, it puts you into a different light so to speak with respect to where you're at in that process.
2: What type of value is it at the same time to have players currently on your roster notably like Travis Zajac and a Kyle Palmieri those are two big pieces but they're older pieces what is the main value in those guys right
0: now well what, what I would say man is is their value is significant because they're, they're contributors on the ice number one yeah and number two is, you know, the way they approach the game, the way they play, we all need mentors, right? Like mm-hmm. you, nobody's going to be, uh, you know, adverse to good mentorship. And I think Travis is more than, it is that guy. I, I think Kyle has really found that sense of belonging and this is who I am. And I, like, I can be part of something, you know, I, I, PK Subban, who was a big, who was a big trade last summer. Like, you know, we didn't have a great year, but he can be that player as well and I think that, they're, that they want to see him be that player and I think PK wants to be that player so you know you don't want to just throw the players kind of just uh, you know go out there and play they need reminders and the best players need reminders hey just settle down or you got to do a little bit more of this or you know you come here I'm always reminded of the story of uh, Rodney Harrison coming and joining the uh, New England Patriots and Rodney Harrison was known as a, as a terrific, terrific worker, put in the effort. So he showed up at the training facility. I think he showed up at 6:30 a.m. in the morning. Tom Brady was already there. So he said, I'm coming at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. He came at 6 a.m. the next morning. Tom Brady was already there. He said, I'm coming at 5:30. Tom Brady was already there. <laughs> Rodney Harrison said, I'm not coming at five because I'm afraid Tom's going to be there. So, you know, that ability to, 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 to provide, you know, not, not just good solid play that can ease some of the demands on a player during a game, but also can be really good role models. You need to be a good role model. You also need to be a contributing player. So Travis, PK, you know, Kyle Palmieri, I, I think they all qualify in that regard.
1: Amanda, it's interesting to get someone from the outside that agrees with some of the stuff that we've been talking about off camera as well. I mean, it's something when you're with the team every day, you see these pieces and how they're going to fit, but it's really reassuring, especially to the fans that are listening to this podcast, I think, to hear from the outside.
0: Well, it's hard to be patient, uh, Chris, like, you know, we, we all want to be somewhere yesterday and, and, and we're so eager to get there tomorrow that sometimes we don't focus it on today. And, and, and that's and, and y- you know, you can't speed what I call the natural laws of maturity, physical, mental and emotional. You know, last year, you know, Jack Hughes, who, who I've watched play since he was 12 years old. Okay, and I know I, I know the Hughes family really well, and I've watched Jack play. Jack is only going to get better as he physically matures. And, you know, the NHL is the best league on the planet with the best players. Like, But as an 18-year-old, just because you're the first overall pick doesn't mean automatically you're going to come in and be the best player all of a sudden. And, like, the, 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 those are rare players. And there's no question in my mind that Jack is going to – because he, he's going to progress, and he's going to be that star player because – he, he, he's talented, he's gifted, and he's determined. Like, you talk about another player, good luck. I've seen Jack get knocked down. He just picks himself up and dusts himself off and keeps playing. He's another player. Forget it. You don't get him pushed out of the game. And I think though the, the, having the competitive fire and the competitive bent that Jack and Nico have, I, I, I think those are just tremendous qualities to build your team around.
2: And I think, I you know, care, when huh? – Sorry, I was going to say when people ask me about Jack Hughes, you know, I say he's never short of confidence in the best way, you know, because some people say, oh, he's too, like, is someone being too confident? It's not. He just has this, like, inherent belief in himself that is so, you know,
0: attractive as as a hockey player or as an athlete. I I love the way you frame it as attractive because it is. And, you know, there's a, you know, having that, you need to be confident. What are you going to do? Go out on the ice and not feel you can do it. You have to be able to do it. I mean, players on, on, on the other side are trying to stop you from doing what you do best. So, and, and Jack, you know, once the physical maturity comes, he's going to, I don't have any doubt in my mind. He's going to be dominant. I I find it laughable. I really do. And on social media, I I call it out all the time. Like, really? Jack Hughes is a bust. Like, really? Like, just, just go back to your cave and, you know, don't offer any insights on Jack Hughes, because you really don't know what you're talking about.
1: (laughs) Well, I I was going to say, like, I, I don't care how good of a player you are. If you enter this man's league as a teenager, that, that is a wake up call. It doesn't matter. I remember Connor McDavid's rookie season. Obviously, he's, un- he's an unbelievable hockey player. But I remember him coming back for his sophomore year and he had packed on muscle because he saw how hard it is to play in the National Hockey League. And I feel like a young kid like Jack Hughes with that confidence, that swagger and that love of the game of hockey, he's going to commit himself.
0: Well, there's no question about it, Chris. And, and he also understands that he has to commit himself because he's not interested in being a subpar player. Jack Jack has one idea on his mind to be the best player. Like he's not interested in just being the best player he can be. He wants to be the best player and he wants to win. And like, he is dialed in on winning. And so, you know, you, you, you can tell young players, yeah, it's harder players are bigger. The players are stronger. But when you go in and somebody leans on you, the player goes, oh, got it. Like, you know, (laughs) you talk talk about learning by osmosis. That's what young players need. They think that they're training and they are training hard. It's a whole different level of play, as you point out, Chris, when you're jumping up, playing against the best players in the world, and you've never played against players three and four years older than you, and they're three, four, five, eight, ten years older than you with lots of pedigree. I remember
1: Craig, I think it's, it's if it's different when it's your career right Amanda?
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I remember um the first game between the Devils and the Boston Bruins with Jack Hughes in the lineup and I remember seeing Jack like disappear when Zdeno Chara, you know, <laughs> like I'm like where did Jack go? But you're right. Those are the learning lessons where you where you see where you need to improve and the type of talent that's already around
0: you. You know what they call that, Amanda? They call it the Chara Eclipse.
2: (laughs) I love it. That's really funny. Um,
0: That's very funny. I I
2: hadn't heard that one, but I'm going to steal that from you. Take it.
0: It's yours for the taking.
2: (laughs) Um, One of the players I wanted to ask you about, because I don't, I didn't know him in junior, obviously, but he played for Barry I believe is Mackenzie Blackwood who really I don't want to say he shot out of nowhere because we did see flashes of it last year or two years ago but really took the reins at a different level this year is that something that he was doing in his junior play or is it you know just something that he's really worked on like how do you see that difference between who he was in junior to now
0: uh, well, if I if I can uh, say all of the above, I would do that. But now I'm going to expand. I'm going to expand on all of the above. So, you know, it's a great example of goaltenders, right? Like it, it, where they're at in, in their developmental sequence at any particular moment in time. So, in, in junior, when you're watching Mackenzie, you could see the qualities he had, and the reason he was a hot second round pick and somebody said, why was he only a second round pick? Well, second round pick in the NHL draft is pretty, is pretty high, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but, you know, but he, 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 you could see the elements that he had, the attributes he had. That's why the devils drafted him. And, and now, now you go and try to develop those. Right. So, it, it's hard. I, I, I equate goaltending to pitching in, 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 in major league baseball. You know, you have to learn how to pitch. It's not just about throwing 95 miles an hour. You have to learn how to goaltend, you know, the shooters at the higher levels, they can fake you. They understand how to get you off balance. And you, you have to learn, you know, not only patience, but your technical abilities have to, uh, you know, get into form and, and, and the work that goes in, not just physically, but also emotionally, because the goaltender, you know, they don't want to let in goals. And so th- being able to overcome it, I, I mentioned earlier about the natural laws of maturity. I mean, Mackenzie's going to turn 24 here. So he's right into that wheelhouse of being able to come into that age bracket where you're really moving forward now. So I don't think it was accidental last year, what you saw in Mackenzie Blackwood and his development. And I think that that's what the New Jersey Devils were counting on. I think yes. going back to his years prior to the draft, in the draft, and a post-draft, you saw those elements. But to become settled, to become confident and assured in your position, when you're the last line of defense, there's a lot of things that go into that. The interesting thing for me, and I, I don't know the answer to this, I would like, and, and Amanda and Chris, maybe you can answer it for me, when you got one of the greatest goaltenders, if not the greatest goaltender, as the president of your organization, what type of an influence can he have just talking to a young Mackenzie Blackwood? You know, how lucky is Mackenzie Blackwood to be able to just have that resource, you know, depending on, and I don't know what the, what the communication is or isn't, but when you have that resource around you, that, that's something else that can be really beneficial to not only Mackenzie, but to other young goaltenders in the organization. Mm-hmm.
2: Marty is around a lot and I think he works hard not to, you know, be too attached to that position within the team probably because he knows that he can be not an intimidating presence that's not the right word but you know he wants to let the goaltenders try and figure things out on their own but always has an open ear in order you know if if there's any questions that need to be asked
0: yeah, and, and I think that's the key. Be a resource, right? Doesn't mean yes. you impose yourself, but I mean, and, and for Mackenzie Blackwood and any other goaltender in the New Jersey, do- to be able to have access to that resource, yeah. wow, wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely awesome. And I, I think we could have a full other podcast on just the current roster and prospects, but we did bring <laughs> you on as part of our road to the draft. So we have okay. to get going with that, Craig. I, I do want to, I'll start things off. We know that the Devils now hold the seventh overall pick. Who do you think are a couple of names the Devils fans should be watching in that seven pick range?
0: Yes. Okay. So where I start to go with now, I, you know, Lafreniere's off the board, Byfield's gone, Stutzla's gone, Drysdale's gone. So, you know, those are four players that I start to believe that aren't going to be there at seven. So let's go to that next group of players. Okay. So it's Cole Perfetti, a a brilliant left winger. So I'm going to give you some comparables. So Cole Perfetti reminds me of Artemi Panarin. Okay. So there's one. Lucas Raymond, the Swedish the Swedish uh, winger. He reminds me of Mitch Marner. Then you have Alexander Holtz, who reminds me a lot of Philip Forsberg. Doing well, Uh, Craig. (laughs) Keep keep going, keep going. Jack Quinn, Jack Quinn, who I think is the best goal scorer in this draft, uh, reminds me of David Pasternak. Then you have a centerman, Marco Rossi, uh, who's Jack Quinn's teammate with the Ottawa 67s, who reminds me of Nicholas Backstrom. So, you know, like I've I've named five forwards. I I could name Jake Sanderson, who I think is a a Mark Edward Vlasic, Josh Morrissey type player. Like if he has more offense in his game, he's going to be that much better, but he's a top pair defenseman. So I'll keep Jake out of the conversation for now. But those are the players... That, that, that i think it comes down to for the new jersey devils at seven you know to consider and look at i, I put the goalie aside a scar off will just keep him out of the conversation if they want a goalie just take them just take yeah. them and be happy but they have other picks so you know they might have a chance in, in other spots so if i look again i talked about jack and nico so jack hughes is a brilliant playmaker. He's an exciting playmaker. He opens up ice with his skating. And I watched him create magic with Cole Caulfield, who was Montreal Canadiens for a strong draft pick. You put smart players, Alexander Holtz, Cole Perfetti, Jack Quinn, and Lucas Raymond, all exceptional hockey sets. you got to be able to, to think the game along the lines of smart players like Jack, like Nico Hischer. So I start to look at those types of players, and I just see you know, that one plus one equals three. I I overuse that term a little bit. I'm going to have to find a a better term to just kind of keep it fresh. But, you know, when I look at those types of wingers, high-end offensive players, shooters, score goals in different ways. And I look at, so we've talked about Nolan Foote, who they acquired. Now you add another player like that. You still have Kyle Palmieri. All of a sudden, you start to think about, you've gone from three players a a young Nico Hischer, a young Jack Hughes, Kyle Palmieri. Now you've added Nolan Foot at 20. Now you add other elite, elite offensive players. All of a sudden now that offensive group starts to look (laughs) pretty impressive, but but it's not just that. It also puts other players into positions that they can handle. They don't have to be overextended. So if I look at those four wingers, Marco Rossi's like, when I compare him to Nicholas Backstrom, but if I'm looking like, I think they need more help on the wings. I think they would benefit. I, I should. I'm not going to suggest what they need more help, and I'm going to say I think that they would benefit from drafting one of those four wingers. Now you just do the straight math. If I if I'm right about the first four, two of those guys are going to be there at seven. That's <laughs> two true. guys are going to be there. Two of those four are going to be there at seven, and when I and, and that's not including Rossi or Jake Sanderson. But all of a sudden now, you know, I, when I talked earlier, it's not an easy decision. It's about, okay, what does this player offer? How does he play with these players? Where can we put them in the lineup? What does this player, what's their timeline for development? But they're all first-line players. They're all first-line players, all exceptional hockey sense, you know, and all with, they're different types of players, but all high quality that are going to be able to play with Jack Hughes or Nico Hischer.
2: You've been a general manager in this league before. So I want to get your perspective um, as like thinking like a general manager. One of the things I've talked to Tom Fitzgerald about is how much time they've now been spending on Zoom calls with more prospects than they ever would have and for a lengthy amount of time. So it's not just the combine interviews. How integral is that in this day and age to get to know your players off the ice?
0: I I think it's twofold Amanda I think it's not only important for uh, teams to understand the players and try to get to know the players it's also important for the team to express to potential players what they can expect if they end up in an organization you know it's a it's a two-way street like you know you're saying okay so let's just pick Lucas Raymond so Lucas Raymond says to Tommy Fitzgerald you know how would you deal with me? Like, you know, I didn't play a lot this year in the SHL, you know, what what would your immediate plan? That's a legitimate question coming from a player. I I would, as a manager, I, I wouldn't wait for the question. I would, I would say, here's what our plan is for you. Here's where we see your development. You'd ask the player, how do you see your game? What do you see as your strengths? What do you see your areas that you have to improve in what do you offer to our team? And, you know, try to get onto the, get into the same type of wavelength, do we see the player the way the player sees himself, right? And that doesn't mean we're right, but like things that come into play. I think, you know, it's different now. So the combine, it's like I call it, you know, 15-minute lunches. You know, you don't really (laughs) find out a lot, right? It's (laughs) face-to-face. And and that's just the way the combine works. NHL teams have been afforded an unbelievable opportunity from this pandemic, not only with more time, but also with – that time to be able to delve more deeply into it, to spend more time with the players, to talk to them more. Yeah, it's not face-to-face, But it is face to face and technology has really helped us manage through this pandemic. And for me, looking at it from the outside in, I like it's unbelievable to sit down and think, okay, I can talk to player A and player B and I can circle back to player A and player B and we can continue the conversation, bring their parents into it. You know, all the different things that give you more information. NHL teams have time use as much time as you possibly can to get as much information which is the and the key here is this is the key to be as f- confident as you possibly can about the players you're going to draft because that's really what it comes down to you can assess and go back and forth the scouting report you you want to have that real sense of confidence this is our player
1: I'm still on your second to last answer here. Tell me more about Cole Perfetti. <laughs> like I'm, I'm sitting here as a hockey guy, all I heard was compares to Artemi Panarin. And I'm just like, okay. Tell me more about that guy.
0: Okay, so I'll tell you about Cole. So Cole Cole's a lot like Ty Smith. You know what? There's not a lot of fanfare to his game. You know, he's not going to be the flash and dash player that's going to wow you going end to end. But like Artemi Panarin, when you watch Artemi, Artemi's not big. But where do you ever see Artemi shows up in the right places at the right times? Always. He, he knows where to pass the puck. He knows how to get open. He doesn't engage unnecessarily on an opponent's terms. Like I always tell young players, Chris, if you're not a big player, why do you want to go take on a bigger player that's stronger than you? That's going to overwhelm you. Don't do it. Like, you know what? You you got to know what your strengths are. Now play to your strengths. Cole does that exceptionally well. Like Artemi Panarin. And you know, he, he, his his mind is two, three steps ahead. So when you're playing with Cole Perfetti, you better be thinking about plays uh, that could potentially be there because he already is. And if you're not thinking there's just a possibility there, you're going to miss an opportunity because Cole is always two and three steps ahead. And his understanding of of what seems kind of innocent or innocuous or, you know, not really becomes really quickly something that's a a quick advantage. For me, there's lots of players that skate fast, shoot hard, or big. But if you can't process the game quickly, I don't care how big your computer is. I don't care how flashy your keyboard is. I don't care how all the bells and whistles you have on your computer. If the processor is weak, those bells and whistles don't matter. The processor on Cole Perfetti is outstanding. In hockey sense, when I do my grades, we we grade on a one to five scale, five being the highest. I'll tell you how good I think Cole Perfetti is. I gave him a six.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. That well. says that. <laughs> <laughs> um, a-
2: another prospect I want to ask you about that you had mentioned is uh, the Austrian Marco Rossi. Now. I know uh, from stories that I've heard is that he actually called Nico Hichier to see what his experience was like coming over to the queue, obviously not in the queue for Rossi, but in the OHL, um, and made the jump to the CHL. How important is that in his development, and who is Marco Rossi?
0: Okay, so I'll start with the important part of the development. I think the biggest positive for Marco Rossi was who he was going to play for, which was Andre Tordnyi. Same who would coach, coach yeah. Nico Hischer, right? So it, it's one thing to say, like Andre's a terrific coach and, and, and a terrific person. And so when I think about Andre, you know, he also understands, okay, so you have a European player that's coming over to the CHL. So how do I assimilate him into our program? How do I get him comfortable? I remember watching Nico Hischer, and I, again, because I've watched him for so long. He came over to Halifax and there was all these high expectations on Nico. And it was November of his draft year. And uh, I want to say they were playing in in Laval. And, you know, I'm watching them. And and you can see Nico's trying to get comfortable with the tighter ice. Things are happening a little bit quicker. And and I can just see him trying to get – no, actually it was Schwinigan. And then I saw him play uh, the next night in uh, Laval. And, And I can just see he's getting more comfortable. So mm-hmm. I usually don't like to watch players three games in three days because you know it becomes a kind of a, a, a of a trudge. You know, physically they're young and on, and they were playing in Victoriaville, and I, I I remember like within within ten minutes of the first period I was like, I just watched this young man develop, and like <laughs> and understand games. like in, in, in less than. In, In less than 72 hours. But Andre understood that. And Andre wasn't going to force feed him into situations that he wasn't ready to handle, that he didn't understand. Nico needed to go through that. So when I talk about Marco, Marco ended up with a coach that is brilliant, not just in terms of how he coaches a team, but understanding his players. So for me, like Marco couldn't have ended up in a better spot. Now, Marco Rossi. Let's talk about Marco. When I compare him to Nicholas Paxstrom, Nick, Nicholas Backstrom's an all-star. The, the ability to create offensive to create offense is, is tremendous. He he can thread the needle under sticks through skates. He gets you the pocket the right times. Right, he's got this great ability. And and Marco has this too. You know, people can be on him, and and it looks like they have him in check, but. All Nicholas is doing is baiting you. He's baiting you to try to come out of your position because, again, he's thinking ahead. He's thinking of the next play. He's thinking of where the opportunities are going to ensue. And he's really comfortable playing in tight spaces with opponents on him. That's the NHL. If you're not comfortable in those scenarios, you're going to have a tough time excelling in the NHL. Marco has those qualities. He's sturdy. Like people say, well, he's not tall. Who cares? I never, he doesn't, he's, he's got great lower body strength. He, he understands game. He's smart and he's really competitive. And, you know, Marco to be like uh, Alexi Lafreniere, I think they're the two players That are ready to come into the NHL and contribute in the 2020-2021 season because of their maturity but also because of their high high level of skill and understanding of the game.
1: I was literally just about to ask you that was my next question of uh, you know in that top 10 or so traditionally these players they take time they take at least a year before they can reach the NHL but I was going to ask you are there any more outside of that too that might be bubble players that you think have taken enough steps in their game that they could at least compete for a spot their first years.
0: Yeah, i i, I try to I try to differentiate between playing and contributing. Like you, you can put a player in an, in, in an NHL jersey, but can they contribute? Right. And so when i when I've narrowed it down to to Alexi and uh, uh, Marco, I think they're ready to contribute. I think they can come in and contribute to a team. I don't see uh, any other players. Does that mean that there's not one or two that could? Yeah, perhaps. But what I see is a is a real ability uh, for players. I, what I see is, is most players need more time. Another player I'll tell you that might be more ready to play, who's not going to be a first-round draft pick, it, it, it's a player that is going to be a late, late – second or third is Igor Sokolov, who plays with the Cape Breton Eagles in the Quebec League. He's a 20-year-old but he's physically mature, his game has matured. So it might not be a name that people know, but he's a player that very well could challenge and compete for a spot, as you point out, Chris, in next, uh, in, in, in next year's season. But for the moment, and, and again, this is not a, I don't want this to come across as a criticism or anything like that. Uh, it's about Jack Hughes, Capocacco, and Kirby Doc. One, two, three, all really good players. They, they were really in development mode this year for their respective teams. Yeah, Nothing wrong with that, Not but understand where they're at. I think Alexi and Marco are in different places.
1: All right. That's Craig Button, TSN's Director of Scouting. Just absolute great having you on the Speak of the Devils podcast. And we love talking draft. We love talking prospects with you. Just so much fun. Thanks for coming.
0: Hey, I, I can only tell you this. It's I, I always enjoy spending time with you. I also I always enjoy being around you. We haven't had that opportunity because of the because yeah. of the physical distancing, and and we need to do that. But you know, to uh, as I said earlier, your passion, your abilities to to deliver to the fans. You know, not only information but pertinent information that people can get excited about. I am more than thrilled to always join you and be part of it. Well, we really
2: appreciate that so much. We love having you on and we love (laughs) chatting with you. And as we get closer to the draft, I'm sure you might get a phone call from us again.
0: (laughs) Here's what I'll say. I'm expecting a phone call. So if I don't, (laughs) I'll be calling you. (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks so much, Craig. Thanks a lot, Craig. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it.
1: Well, Amanda, I mean, when we reached out to Craig to see if he would join us, I knew it was going to be a good podcast, but, you know, always over delivers, I feel.
2: I mean, he's incredible. He really is. And it's just amazing how knowledgeable he is at all levels of hockey and able to make those comparisons. And I'm really looking forward to now trademarking the Chara Eclipse.
1: That's, that's,
2: (laughs) I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make a big money
1: off of (laughs) it. Absolutely. I mean, the thing that sticks out to me the most, and and you've got a lot of this too, Amanda, in your own professional world is just being a student of the game and wanting to just see more than just the things that you're going to talk about that day. The fact that he had his eyes that closely on the performance of the New Jersey Devils this past season. Including their prospects and how they were performing mm-hmm. and then also how knowledgeable he is of the draft. It's just one of those things that you're not just tunnel visioned in in just the Canadian teams or, or just just these teams that are in the playoffs. He has so much broad knowledge of the sport of hockey. It, it's, it's crazy.
2: He has a much bigger brain than I do. I can, I can, only, I can only process so much information at, at, at a time. But, you know, it, it's just incredible because here's someone with so much wealth of knowledge, you know, knowing, you know, one of our top players in Nico Heischer from the time that he was playing in Halifax. I mean, that's many years ago now. So uh, just such a pleasure to talk to him. And I hope that our fans listening Really got a lot out of, you know, learning about the current team and what is potentially coming up in the future for our pipeline. Um, To me, I even learned a lot and we spend all our time reading and talking and (laughs) being with these people. So, you know, Craig is just an absolute wonderful guest for us to have had.
1: Yeah, when we talked a little bit, uh, I was really, there were a couple things that stood out to me the most. One, I am now completely on the Cole Perfetti bandwagon as one of the topics that I would choose for the New Jersey Devils. Just him talking okay. about the Panarin uh, you know, comparisons. Yeah. I love that. The second, how high he is on Kevin Ball. I, yeah. I, I, did, I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew that this was a really good prospect for the New Jersey Devils. Got to know him a little bit, but the way he talks about him, I'm starting to think he might be a signature piece of that blue line, even more so than we had originally talked about.
2: Yeah. And I think he was just sort of, people really didn't know who this prospect Kevin Ball was when the trade was made. And this conversation with Craig should only get people more excited than they already have been because you see the size of a player and you get excited, a big, strong, tall defenseman, But now, you know, Craig has provided us with the inside look at why those assets will make him such a benefit to an NHL roster in a very specific way. So uh, I like I said, I learned a lot, too.
1: (laughs) Was there any prospect that he talked about in the upcoming draft that really stuck out to you that kind of interests you now?
2: Well, I mean, I asked him about Marco Rossi. And to me, that was the interesting thing to hear that, you know, apart from Alexi Lafreniere, Marco Rossi is one of the, or the only other player who he can really see making the initial jump right to the NHL. Cause you don't see that a lot. Really, really, you don't. Um, and so that to me, you know, a guy who could potentially land in that, you know, five, six, seven, eight spot, who is a, a potential target for New Jersey um, could make that instantaneous jump, which is what New Jersey have seen over the last couple of years. When you consider, you know, Nico Heischer and uh, and and Jack Hughes, of course, they went first overall. But you know that that type of insight was very interesting to me.
1: And I think if I was a Devils fan listening to this podcast, I might keep rewinding over the part where he talked about okay, after the top four prospects. Your range with that seventh pick. yeah Here are some of the comparisons. I mean, he was saying Prosternak, he was saying Backstrom, he was saying Banarin, he was saying Forsberg. And as he was saying those names, I'm like, okay, okay, give me that on the Devils. Give me (laughs) that on the Devils. I want that. (laughs) I want that on the Devils. I want to cover that. I want to watch that play with Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes. So I think we should. uh, I'm a little bit more excited now listening to him about that seven pick range.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, look, you're in the top 10, you know, no matter what you're in the top 10 and that's a good place to be. And there's potential other first round picks uh, that come up behind that in what forever you've heard is one of the deepest drafts yet.
1: All right. Well, thanks a lot, as always, Amanda Stein. And we know Maddie Laughlin's going to be back soon from his golf trip. Just kidding, Maddie. You well-deserved vacation, <laughs> as we said earlier in the show, but we'll be happy to have you back. Thanks for listening to the our Speak of the Devils podcast. And uh, be sure to check out NewJerseyDevils.com for full coverage of the draft and for some more content and coverage of the team. Uh, thanks a lot. Signing off, this is Chris Westcott and Amanda Stein.